Okay, good morning, everyone. Wow. Notices, hey? We love the notices. <laughs> um, yeah, great, great morning so far. And um, I just kind of wanted to echo what uh, Malcolm said about Dennis. Um, he's a great, great man of God. And um, Barbara and Dennis prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit one Sunday afternoon um, on the Holy Spirit, kind of Alpha Holy Spirit afternoon and um, just really stick with me that, that he was a great man of God and a great example to us. He'll be missed by us, but actually, man, he's getting a great reception right now because he was a mighty man of God. So we just want to rejoice in that. Um, hope you've got over the, the, the emotion this week of, of England crashing out of the World Cup. But didn't I say, you know, eventually they will disappoint but, wait, wait, there's, good, there's goodness coming. But, eventually, there will always be victories that will disappoint. But, we have a victory that will never ever disappoint us. And that is our Jesus, who won the, won the victory for us. He will forever reign. Even if England won the World Cup, it would be kind of reset in four years' time. Or three and a half years' time, if you want to get technical, because it's going to probably be played in the winter in Qatar in 2022. But let's not go into that. Um, but he reigns forever and ever and ever through his victory that he won on the cross. And the promises that we heard this morning are for you. And all you have to do is accept those promises. It's amazing. Just reminded this morning of where I've come from. Of he plucked me out of darkness. And I'm just so grateful. You know, I can't stand up here and speak in public. I can't do this. But Christ in me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't do this. I couldn't speak in public before I was a Christian. I couldn't defeat the addictions that I had before I had the Holy Spirit living inside me. And the words that came this morning, there's still stuff in us, isn't there, that sometimes needs to be dealt with. And it's not to be defeated by them or feel bad about them, that we're not quite perfect, that we are in a process of sanctification. In a moment, you are justified when you give your life to Jesus. In a moment, you are justified, but this process of sanctification is, is ongoing. And if you speak to my wife, she will tell you, I am still working through this process of sanctification. And she will tell you there's a lot of work to be done. Now, um, we're going to carry on in our series of discipleship this Sunday. And um, I'm going to kind of do a part two. You might rem I'm sure, in fact, you will remember a couple of weeks ago I spoke uh, from John 11. I'm sure it will be engraved in your memory and it's affected your walk with God ever since. Um, that we looked at uh, Lazarus and him dying. And I just wanted to recap over some of what we looked at um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we looked at how Jesus was so passionate about God's glory. He talked about the illness not leading to death and it was about the glory of God. Um, how we're to avoid letting our hearts become sick. Hope deferred and the heart becomes sick. How we mustn't let disappointment let our heart become sick. How Jesus, how he wept, 
how he really loved people, how when he got to Martha and uh, Mary, he wept and they said, didn't they, see how he loved him and just kind of looked at how Jesus steps into our world of suffering and pain and how we're not to be stoic about it and kind of stiff up a lip and let's just manage and, you know, one day it's going to be okay, although that is true as well because one day there will be no more pain and no more tears and no more suffering. But Jesus sympathizes and he steps in and he knows suffering. He knows our pain. He is not a God who just kind of sits on a cloud and we speak to and is far and distant, but he is a God who stepped into our world and felt pain and felt rejection. And he wept with us. And when you're going through difficulty and pain now, he doesn't um, think, you know, why are you crying? You know I'm going to get you through this. You know that one day... No, he probably sees you weeping and weeps with you and he loves you. He loves us. He sympathises, he cares and ultimately he saves us. And then I didn't quite get to the, the best bit at the end. I did kind of give it away and I'm sure some of you knew but Lazarus raised, was raised. Woo! But we're going to look at that bit this morning and we're going to go from John 11 verse 38. I can get my click. There we go. Oh, well done, Reuben. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And again, we see Jesus deeply moved. He was deeply moved because he was in relationship. And it's a, a, a good sign for us. We are to be in relationships, not just with those inside of the church but to be in, with those outside of the church as well. And we can, sometimes it's difficult when we come into friendship with people who don't believe in God and they come into difficult, painful situations. Death happens, disease happens, but we mustn't shy away from that. But we need to love these people like Jesus did, deeply moved. It's okay to weep with people. Bible says we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And Jesus is showing us what an example he was here. But a good example. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour because he's been dead for four days. She's kind of the practical one, isn't she, Martha? I mean, there's a reality in that of, I don't want to smell the body of my dead brother. But she's kind of the practical one as well. Jesus says, move the stone. Martha's like, oh, yeah, nice idea, Jesus. But, you know, there's, there's going to be a bit of a smell. He's been dead, you know, for four days. She's kind of the practical one. She's probably a bit of a, a clean freak. She, you know, you're going to need some hand sanitizer, Jesus. He's been in there for a little while. You haven't really thought this through, Jesus. Can't we be like that when we hear from Jesus? Oh, yeah, good, good idea. Yeah, oh, he, he kind of sends word, instructs us, but we can come up with lots of reasons. Oh, yeah, I know you said that, Jesus, but you probably haven't really thought this through and all the implications it has for us. I just want to look at 
just hop to another um, verse in John, and it's the wedding at Cana. And on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana. It's where some, they kind of, you could come up with other excuses of when Jesus sends word. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I mean, you can imagine talking to your mother like that, can't you? In some versions, they kind of used to put dear woman in front of it just to kind of soften the blow a bit. But actually, Jesus was quite strong here with his mother. Woman, what's this, what's this got to do with me? Maybe teenagers, Anna, maybe you could try this with your parents when they say to you, um, Anna, if you could go and tidy your room now, you could say, Mother, my hour has not yet come. And before they say, don't answer me back, you say, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> See how it works. I'm sure, I know your parents well, I'm sure they'll take it really well. <laughs> My hour has not yet come. You know, it is like that, isn't it? You've, your mothers are like that. They'll, they'll say, you need to get more wine. No, they've run out of wine. Well, what do you want me to do about it? The dishwasher needs stacking. Not go and stack the dishwasher. But anyway, this is what Jesus' mother is saying. What's this got to do with me? And this is the important bit here at the end. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I want you to hear that this morning. Do whatever he tells you. Because we can muddle it up in our minds, get it all complicated. Oh no, Jesus, I know you said that. You kind of said that, but I'm just going to interpret it in my way just to kind of make it work for me. No, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone, jar, six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Uh, no, no, Jesus, we've, we've run out of wine, mate. We've not, we don't need water. No, fill the jars with water. Right, okay. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. You can just imagine, can't you, the guy, the, one of the servants, taking it to the master of the feast. I mean, servants weren't well treated in these days. And he's bringing the jar of water, you're kind of walking up, oh no, I'm going to get in all sorts of trouble here. They, they need wine and I'm going to take him some dirty water and this is not going to be good for me. I'm gonna, they're going to kill me. And what does he say? When the master of the feast tasted the water, the master of the feast tasted the water, now became wine, and he did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn water knew. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. You see, the servants did what Jesus told them to do. They could have said, yeah, Jesus, we've got lots of Evian. We've got loads of that. We need 
Chateau no de, de Pape. That's what we need. That's what we're after. Chateau Neuf de Pape, Jesus. That's what we need, not Evian. Jane loves a bit of Chateau Neuf de Pape. She's ever so posh, you know. She's our administrator. <clears throat> but they did what Jesus told them to do. And when we do what Jesus tells us to do, that is where we get to the point of breakthrough. That's when the miracles come, when we reach that point of obedience, radical obedience, not when we try to work it out in our own minds or when it makes perfect sense in our head. That's not obedience. But when it doesn't make sense, when he calls us to do things, calls us out of our comfort zone, that's obedience. When it doesn't make sense. When Jesus fed the 5,000, they said, the disciples said to him, <coughs> excuse me, said, uh, these lot, they're hungry. Should we send them off, you know, and come back tomorrow? What did Jesus say? No, you feed them. Um, well, Jesus, I, I haven't got anything. I've got, you know, we've got a few quid. Uh, we've got some fish and a bit of bread, you know. What? No, you feed them. You feed them. You see, all we have to do is act in obedience. We don't have to do the miracles. He does the miracles. We just have to step into that obedience and act. But that's the difficult bit, isn't it? But that's where we'll grow. That's where we'll see breakthrough. That's the point of intimacy as well. When we, when we obey, the disciples handed out the food you can just imagine going out and just start, oh, look, there's a bit more. You, you can have some. You can, there's, oh, there's still more. There's still more. Keep going. The disciples handed out the food. They acted. Breakthrough comes. Miracles happen when we listen. Listen to what Mary said. Do whatever he tells you to do when you can't figure it out, when it doesn't feel safe, do whatever he tells you to do. Let's just skip back to John. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you? We are to believe what he tells us. We are to believe the promises of God. What Herman brought this morning, what we heard is that the promises of God are for us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. You cannot leave, lose your salvation if you are in Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done. You know, he already knows. He knows what you're going to do before you've even thought it. He knows the words before they're even on your mouth. If you're in Christ, he has forgiven your sins, past, present, and future. And you will reign with him forever in eternity. Did I not tell you, you will see the glory of God? The doubt came. See, we, uh, when we obey and act on what Jesus says, he will do the miracle. I don't know if you've read... Um, 
the book on the love languages. I, don't, I can't remember how many. I didn't finish the book. I think there's like five love languages. Um, <clears throat> I think I got to the fourth and thought, yeah, okay. No, I didn't. I've read, read the book. But God's love language is obedience. He loves it when we obey what he tells us to do. So to really learn, to really trust, we have to move, we have to act, we have to pray, to give, to witness. Witnessing is hard, isn't it? It's tough, it can be, but, do you know, if we try, if we make our comfort zone a little bit bigger, you know, our comfort zone gets bigger. And if we do it again, it gets bigger and bigger. We have to act. And he will step in and, and do the miracles. I, when I first became a Christian, the thought of talking to people about my faith terrified me. Terrified me. And you don't even have to have it all sussed out in your mind. You don't need to have a great um, apologetic mind to be able to describe um, how you were saved and, how, and everything figured out in Scripture. The little you know, you can share. You don't need to know it all. But it terrified me. But you know what? I made a little step and I tried it. Oh, that wasn't too bad. And I tried it again. Yeah, nobody stoned me. I'm still alive. (laughs) This week, um, I think I've told some of you before, I go to a guy who cuts my hair, known him for about eight years now. Um, I'm currently doing Alpha, a one-on-one Alpha course in his um, salon. And just had the privilege of just praying for him there and then in his salon. Praying for someone in public, again, would have terrified me years ago, but I made that step. I mean, he's a, a funny, funny guy. So we kind of watched two videos on the Holy Spirit and then he sat me down to cut my hair and um, does it for free now as well, which is quite amazing. (laughs) Um, But he's an amazing guy, actually. And he said, right, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Pray for the thirst. Because we were talking about praying for the thirst of the Holy Spirit, praying for the thirst of God. He said, all right, you're... And he's a bit of a geezer. He said, all right, go on then, you're... You're a priest, you're a, man, you're a man of the cloth. I was like, well, not quite, but yeah, sort of, you know. Um, so he just put, he put his hand on my shoulder and I prayed for him. Made that little step. Yeah. Was it hard? Did I think, this is a bit weird? Because that's a thought that often goes through my mind, to be honest. This is a bit weird. But I did it. I didn't look at the problem in front of me. I looked at the size of my God. And what breakthrough comes when we don't look at the stone in front of the tomb like they were looking at, like Martha was looking at, or the problem that was inside it. We need to listen to Jesus' words here. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Don't look at the stone in the way or the giant in front of you. But look at the size of your God and his promises over your life. 
personal and corporate breakthrough will come when we make those steps, when we obey what he says. You know, we're doing stuff that might not make sense in the kind of worldly terms. But we want to extend the building because we want to see more people come in. We want to launch an additional service starting at the end of September. We're doing one a month because we want to make room for more people to come and hear the gospel. How will they hear if we do not preach the gospel? That's all it is. That's all we're doing. We're just trying to make room for more, for the more. And I believe God will bless our obedience. And God will bless your obedience as you step out in faith. Verse 42 to 43 here. Um, Jesus says, I knew that he starts praying. Actually, verse 41. So, so they took away the stone. So they took away the stone. Not Jesus. They took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, and I, but I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Just want to make sure this is clear, but Jesus isn't praying here to the Father for healing. He's not praying for Lazarus to be raised from the dead because he commands it in the next verse. I think he's praying here for the benefit of those around him. And do you know what? It's so good to do that, to pray for the benefit of those around you. I, we say great, this is kind of simplifying it down a bit, but we say grace when we, as a family, when we sit down to eat. And we do it, we try to do it no matter who's around. And you know what, now even my dad, who isn't a Christian, will say to my kids, if he's sitting with them and eating, aren't you going to pray before we eat? I mean, it's not revival, it's not him making a decision, but it's just a little thing. It's good to just don't worry about who's around you because sometimes it's for the benefit of others. And then he commands, Lazarus, come out. You see, he's not afraid. He shows us how to pray here. Lazarus, come out. He speaks with authority. You know, if you're a saint, if you're a Christian, a son and daughter of God, you can speak with authority. You can pray with authority. You can command sickness to go. We, we don't need to pray, Lord Jesus, Dear Father in heaven, please, please, please come and heal my friend. Or, you know, we can speak with authority. Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. I told you it ended well, didn't I? Lazarus, come out. And he comes out. The man who had died come out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. He comes out, Lazarus, still wrapped in death. Do you know, we can still come into this goodness of God, this Christian life, still with a bit of you know, death 
attached to us. That's why it's good to deal with stuff. That's why if you know, there's stuff still you can't quite get rid of, you're still struggling with, I'd really encourage you to do the Freedom in Christ course if you haven't done it yet. 19th of September. That's right, isn't it? If, middle of September, it's going to be starting. Just encourage you to do that because there's stuff that, you know, Christ doesn't want you to, to hang on to anymore. There's stuff in my life that I just had to get rid of and it took me a while to work out. And there's still stuff, I, thought patterns, attitudes, I still have to get rid of. I remember, I think I shared this before, I remember um, in the early years of marriage, just going out, strangely enough to watch football, um, but, and, and waking up the next morning with a hangover, and I just didn't want to get up, and, and I just felt the conviction of God to say, you don't do that anymore. You don't get drunk. It's clear in here, don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that anymore. And I, I can still have a drink, but I don't get drunk. There's still attitudes I had towards different nations and different people groups. But God has just dealt with me in that. What, what is it today that God wants to deal with? What thought processes, what attitudes, what mindsets are you still hanging on to that God is, you can feel that twinge, you, can, you know that actually, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't think like this, but there's just this bitterness or this, there's just something not right there. What is it that God can deal with today? There's desires, attitudes. Jesus said, unbind him. Unbind him. We are to be free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. We are to be free from attitudes towards different people groups, to different races, to different nations. I, I mean, I joked about it, but I had a real attitude towards the French because they were always on strike. And in my mind, I thought I could, you know, this was a logical reason to have a bad attitude towards the French. There's always a big queue on the M20 because they're always on strike. No, in heaven, there will be the French and it will be glorious. Doesn't it say there will be every tribe and tongue will confess? I love the French. I don't know if I want them to win at the football later, but... <laughs> no, I do. I, actually, they're, they're a good team. Um, I don't really care who wins, to be honest. Um, but God shifted attitudes in my heart. And he wants to shift attitudes in your heart. And when he says, unbind him, he is instructing others to go and help unbind. And he instructs us to go and help others. As we see new people coming through, Christ, new Christians coming to Christ, we are to go and help. That's why freedom in Christ is so good, because it helps people realize who they are in Christ. And we are to disciple new believers. If you are a disciple of Christ, you are to disciple others. Disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's why we love what Herman's saying about the multiplication of, of home groups. 
Because <clears throat> it's about this. It's about unbinding people. It's about setting people free. He wants to set you free this morning. We are new creations. We are new creations because Lazarus wasn't the only one to rise from the grave because Jesus gloriously not just defeated sin and death on the cross, but when he was put in the tomb three days later, he rose again victorious, defeating sin and death. So we no longer need to fear the grave. We no longer need to fear the troubles of this world. He says, don't worry, don't be anxious. It says that, don't be anxious. Because he's defeated all of that. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. So as we move forward into this holiday season, let's, some of you might be going away, some of you might not. Keep your eyes fixed on him. We can so go away and get distracted and think, oh, let's have a bit of me time. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Can I ask you to stand and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we we thank you that you speak to us through your word, that we can find instruction through this help through this. Lord, we know that through your word it says who the sun sets free. Lord, you want freedom for us, Lord. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you just start to speak to us. If there's stuff in us, in our hearts, in our attitudes, in our worldviews that are just not of you, of not godly, Lord, we want to have a kingdom perspective on, on things. Lord, come and just speak to us now. Come and convict us. We want to just deal with that, Lord. Uh, talking about myself as well, Lord, I just want to honor you, want to be more like you, Jesus. Come. Come and speak to us. Thank you that you give us authority as well to pray like you prayed when you said, Lazarus, come out. And Lord, I pray, help us do whatever you tell us to do. Help us be, Lord, obedient when it doesn't make sense. Lord, I pray for, for us, Lord, who, who struggle with the calls, Lord, with the little nudges of God when things don't make sense. Lord, help us be obedient and help us grow in faith, Lord. Lord, I pray, we want to be witnesses for you. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen.